following a podcast dedicated to two words jesus used to change the world follow me he used it then and he uses it now what does it mean does it define the boundaries of our relationship with him come and join us as we explore follow me in the following welcome back to the following it's been a long time since we've been We've done a podcast for a number of reasons. We'll get to those over time. I wanted to get something out for Christmas and wish you all a a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth from um, Joseph's position. Joseph, the the earthly father of Jesus, um, and his uh, willingness to go along with a, a plan that came to him suddenly one night. The Bible says this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose his wife to public disgrace. He had the mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid for to take Mary is your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give 
in the name Jesus, uh, because he will save the people from sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said to the prophets. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew wrote his gospel to try to convince or, or give some background to his Jewish brothers and sisters uh, what the deal was with Jesus. Uh, at, Jesus had been um, had been taken up to heaven about 40 years before Matthew wrote. Uh, and um, he... Uh, the, the, the church desperately needed the, the story so that people could understand where Jesus came from. The, the, the claims being made by him were, were pretty about him were pretty spectacular. And uh, so he, he had the, there had to be a story told so that people could put it together of the beginning and the middle and the end and the, and how what the impact it has in our life. And so the, the Matthew was particularly written to Jewish people to to say that Jesus came in fulfillment of the prophecy. Uh, and the, the, besides the, what we know happened, and, and uh, what always amazes me when I read these passages um, is how God was able to find in, in a little territory four people who were absolutely amazing in their obedience um, in working through to, to uh, uh, the, the final conclusion of the birth of Christ. It's Matthew, Mary, Elizabeth, and um, Zechariah. Uh, now, and Luke, in his version of the the, the, nativ- the nativity, uh, takes it from Mary's point of view, and it's a it's a longer, more uh, elaborate telling of the story of Jesus, and it, it would make sense because Luke was doing a uh, a, a full um, research paper, uh, putting together all the the bits and pieces of the, of the story of Jesus and, and into one book, and and so it's, it makes sense that his would be more fully orbed. But also we have to keep in mind he was writing to more to Gentiles. He was uh, traveled with Paul for a while, and, and, and so he was giving a, a version of the gospel that was, was more open to people um, from everywhere to, to get a hold of. Um, he writes, In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, from, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, the descendant of David. The virgin named was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Um, that's an interesting response for a young lady. To, instead of being terrified or, or rebellious or, uh, or screaming for help, she, she said, That's an interesting greeting. I wonder what that means. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will give, you'll be, with, you'll be with a child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked. I'm a virgin. The angel says, well, Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you tonight and you'll conceive and, and give a birth to a, by, by the Holy Spirit. And uh, her response to that was, I'm your servant. 
Mary, may it be to may it be to me as you have said, and uh, which must be the one of the clearest uh, expressions of commitment and 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 steady obedience and availability to God in all the scriptures. Mary just said, "Okay." Um, um, it, it wouldn't the people in the village and Mary's family wouldn't be um, quick to believe a story like that, and uh, jo- and it was the, the angel went to Mary and Joseph separately, and and both got an agreement from both of them to go ahead, and uh, Joseph knowing that he would have to t- take Mary without the big wedding ceremony and and uh, just stay with her um, without consummating the marriage until the time of the the, the, the birth of of Christ. Uh, and so every, every year we, we come around and we celebrate Easter, uh, excuse me, Christmas. And I was um, in one of the stores recently just watching the commerce and um, people buying presents and having them wrapped and uh, Santa Claus is walking around. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be one of these old codgers that just uh, is negative about everything. But, I, you know, I, you feel like walking up to people and saying, you know why you're doing this? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born and came from heaven uh, to be to be God with us and to be like us. Uh, and um, the, the tenor of Christmas is much different than what we've made it. We uh, we have done with Christmas what we do with everything. We take uh, a gift of God in its simplicity, and if we like it, we uh, um, keep pouring energy into it till it's a gross... Um, self-serving, self-satisfying uh, event. And, uh, you know, right now uh, people are sort of uh, angling toward family times together that quite often are quite treacherous uh, as people get together and carry old wounds and, and uh, old, old um, heartache and, and they get together and, and, and suddenly they get a couple of wines in them and, and the Christmas erupts into a bad time. And... Uh, the facts are, one of the things that is really clear is that, that God would never want us to, to enter Christmas with that sense of panic to be uh, seen as being the best uh, gift giver and the best grandma and the best grandpa and and, uh, and and worry about comparison and, and because um, that wasn't what Jesus was about. Uh, his whole life was, it was an exercise in uh, um, humility and um Operating uh, on behalf of other people, uh, you know, it's a. If you listen to many of the the old hymns, Christmas hymns, you discover that they're written in a very uh, melancholy key, and one of the reasons for that was that in in terms of uh, heaven and in the, the the design of the creation and and God's glory, uh, the Christmas event, the the. Um, Incarnation of Christ was a tragedy. It uh, it, it was fi- fired off by God's need to create for us a a substitute, a life that would go in place of ours in judgment. Um, and the only way that he could do that was with his Son Jesus Christ. Um, as I often say, one of my favorite. Cr- Passages covering the the birth of Christ is found in Paul's letter to the Philippians. It says, "If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, 
and make my joy complete by being like-minded. You know, I think if you can't say that, read the verses and say, if you have any of those things and you don't have them, you take a hard look at yourself. It's a basic design of the, the Christian life is to um, be uh, empathetic and compassionate and, and loving and and uh, encouraged by the, the people you love and, and by what you see God doing in your life. It goes on to say, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility of mind, with humility, consider uh, others better than yourselves. Each should look not only at his own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Now, that, that, that would sound pretty uh, outdated by um, today's um, therapeutic model. But Jesus wasn't saying that we should think bad of ourselves or, or that we're, we're, we're no good or um, we tend to drift that way anyways to be, think of the negative things in our life. But what he's really trying to say is um, when, you, when you're addressing um, an event like um, an event where you're going to come together or, or just in life, that you make sure that there's a plane flying over. You hear that? Uh, um, you, you make sure that, that you enter the, 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 um, the opportunity um, wanting to go well for other people, that it's not a competition. You don't have to win. Um, consider the, uh, the interests of others, not just yourself. Then he says, have this attitude uh, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in the human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. You just take those two verses. This is called the Kenosis passage in the, in the New Testament. It's a, a passage of Christ emptying himself of his divine attributes and, and, and pouring himself down to earth. And the, from the heavens' point of view, he, he, um, he it, was a, it was a downgrade. Uh, he, he made himself nothing. He, we had, we had been everything. Uh, he had, had uh, embodied the, the full uh, dimensions of the Godhead, and now he was pouring himself into uh, a single body in, in a single place and time. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. You know, just think, kind of think what the world would be like if we entered um, events like the Christmases we're, we're about to, uh, and, the, and the whole group was uh, looking out for each other. Um, and their primary vo- motivation was to um, make certain that everybody else had a great day and everybody else felt, felt good about themselves and good about the, the, the time of family and fellowship. And, and if you follow the message of Christmas as, a, as a, an aspect of the following, um, but so often we, you know, particularly kids, you, you see them, they, they, they rip through their presents and they might have a stack of 20 presents there and they rip through them in about two minutes and they'll come and say, what's next? And uh, they say, that's all there is. And they break into tears and uh, run off crying that they didn't get enough. And, uh, and uh, you know, other things happen and pressure's on and, and, and there can be irritation and, and um, old wounds come to the surface and, and the whole thing goes to hell in a handbasket. And, uh, um, but if we adopted and clothed ourselves in the, in the attitude that Jesus had when he came to earth from, uh, from um, heaven, 
uh, and we emptied ourselves and, and made others more important than ourselves, the, the whole temper of the, the, the event would be different. Uh, it would be one of uh, community and, and uh, oneness uh, and blessedness. Well, but Christ, he says, the meaning found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, became obedient even to, even to death. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, uh, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I had a friend named John Crawford who used to say, uh, with God, the way up is down. Uh, we think the way up is up. Sometimes the way up is down. Sometimes we, we can, the, the greatest um, movement in our life after we've suffered the greatest loss and, and had to walk through the difficult days um, you look through the scripture and, and stories are told of, of people like Joseph and um, way up is down. And um, people who just uh, seem to be in the worst um, situations life could throw at them. Life would never be any better. But somehow God came through and, and, and showed them the way. Um, so I hope as you get ready for Christmas that uh, you bear in mind that uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I know that's a right uh, sort of a hook in a song but uh, facts are uh, that if uh, Jesus hadn't been born um, you wouldn't be um, having a Christmas celebration you'd be at work um, there wouldn't be a four day statutory weekend and uh, all this commerce wouldn't happen and the kids wouldn't get uh, all the presents and uh, um, the poor wouldn't be helped uh, as, as, as people um are moved to, to give to the poor. Um, so I hope you um, just embody the, or seek to embody the, the, the way of Christ. Um, as I said, it's, it's good to be back, and um, we'll go, I'll be back after a little music. Souls will receive him still. 
still the dear Christ enters in. Do, 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 do. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we angels the great glad tidings tell oh come to us abide with us our Lord Great bass note. Um, stories told of a man named Paul who received an automobile from his brother as a Christmas present. On Christmas Eve, when Paul came out of his office, a young, roguish-looking kid was walking around the shiny new car and admiring it. Is this your car, mister? The boy asked. Paul nodded. My, yeah, my brother gave it to me for Christmas. The boy was astounded. You mean your brother gave it to you for nothing? Didn't cost you a thing? Well, I wish, Paul knew what the boy was going to wish for a brother like that. But what the lad said jarred Paul all the way to his heels. I wish that I could be a brother like that. Paul looked at the boy in astonishment. Then impulsively he responded, would you like to go for a ride in my new car? Oh, yeah, I'd love that. After a short ride, the boy turned his eyes to a uh, glow and said, to, to, said, Mr., would you mind driving in front of my house? Paul smiled a little again, thought, thought he knew what the lad had wanted to, uh, to show his neighbors that he was riding in a big new car. But uh, he was wrong again. Will you stop at the at those two steps, the boy asked. The boy ran upstairs, and in a little while, Paul heard him coming back, but moving quite slowly. The lad was carrying his younger brother, handicapped by an illness. The boy sat his brother down on the bottom step then sort of squeezed up against him and pointed to that car. Said, there she is, buddy, just like I told you. His brother gave it to him for, for Christmas. Didn't cost him a cent. And someday I'm going to give you one just like it. Then you can see for yourself all the pretty things in the Christmas windows that I've been trying to tell you about. Paul got out of the car and lifted the young boy in the front seat. The shiny-eyed shiny older brother climbed in beside the small child, and the three of them began a memorable holiday ride. That Christmas Eve, Paul learned what Jesus meant when he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Silent night, holy night, holy Calm, all is bright Round yon virgin 
winds and the mountains in reply echo back their joyous strains Gloria in excelsis Deo Gloria in excelsis Deo Come to Bethlehem and see Years ago, there was a very wealthy man who, with his devoted young son, shared the passion for art collecting. Together, they traveled around the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless artworks from Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet and many others adorned the walls of his family estate. The widowed elder man looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. The son's trained eye and sharp business mind caused his father to beam with pride as he dealt with art collectors around the world. As winter approached, war engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram. His beloved son was missing in action. The art collector anxiously waited for more news, fearing that he would never see his son again. Within days, his fears were confirmed. The young man had died while rushing a fellow, while rushing a fellow, a fellow soldier to a medic. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season, the, uh, a season that he and his son had looked so forward to, would visit his house no longer. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the old depressed man. As he walked to the door, the masterpieces of art on the wall only reminded him of the son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. He introduced himself as saying, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. 
the two began to talk. The soldier told how the man's son had told everyone of, of his, not to mention his father's love for fine art. I'm, I'm an artist, said the soldier. I want to give this to you. As the old man unwrapped the package, the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world would never consider the work a genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man thanked the soldier, promising to hang the picture above the fireplace. A few hours later, the soldier had departed. The old man sat back to his task. True to his word, the painting went above his fireplace, pushing aside thousands of dollars of paintings. Then the man sat in his chair and spent, the Christmas, spent Christmas gazing at the gift that he had been given. During the days and weeks that followed, the man realized that even though his son was no longer with him, the boy's life would live on because of those he had touched. He would soon learn that his son had rescued dozens of wounded soldiers before a bullet stilled his caring heart. As the story of his son's gallantry continued to reach out, the fatherly pride and satisfaction began to ease the grief. The painting of the son soon became his most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces of which museums of the world, around the world clamored. He told his neighbors it was the greatest gift they'd ever received. The following spring, the old man became ill and passed away. The art world was in anticipation with the collector's passing, and the, uh, his only son, his only son had was died. These those paintings would be sold at auction, according to the will of the old man. All the artworks would be auditioned on Christmas Day, the day he had received the greatest gift. Uh, the day soon arrived, and the art collector from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's um, most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled this day. Greatness would be achieved. By many, as many would claim, I have the greatest collection. <clears throat> the auction began with a painting that was not on the museum list. It was a painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. The room was silent. Who will open the bid? Bidding with the bid of a hundred dollars, he asked. In its past, no one spoke. From the back of the room came, who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's forget it and go on to the good stuff. More voices echoed in agreement. No, we have to sell this one first, replied the auctioneer. Now, who will take the the, the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. Will you take $10 for the painting? That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. I have $10. Will anybody go higher? Called the auctioneer. After more silence, the auctioneer said, Said, going, 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 gone, and the gavel fell. Cheers filled the room, and someone exclaimed, Now we can get on, we can bid on these treasures. The auctioneer looked at the audience and announced the auction was over. Stunned, disbelief disquieted the room. Someone spoke up and asked, What do you mean it's over? He didn't, we didn't come here for a picture of the old guy's son. What about those other paintings? There are millions of dollars of art here. I demand to explain explain what's going on here. The auctioneer replied, It's very simple. According to the father's will, whoever takes the son gets it all. Stop. 
We hope you have a holy and blessed Christmas. This podcast was done in memory of a good friend of ours, Ian Jacobson, who went to be with the Lord just recently. Ian loved God and loved his wife and family and loved us and helped us with the starting of the podcast. And so bless him and bless Denise. And also a word goes out to my oldest child, our daughter Sarah, who's just anytime going to have a baby boy. Uh, the reason we have this podcast this year was because she sent me a text and said, would you do one? And I did. God bless you. Come, they told me power up a bum bum. A newborn king to see power up a bum bum. Our finest gifts we bring power on the bomb bomb To lay before the king power on the bomb bomb Run the bomb bomb Run the bomb bomb So to honor him power on the bomb bomb when we On my track